0: So we do thank you, Lord, for this beautiful moment Lord, we can soak up your mercy. Lord, we, you find us so weak and so broken, so needy, and you embrace us with love. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we don't overlook one person in this gathering. You know each one by name, and each one's heart, you know what each one's struggling with. And you are here with your mercy. Thank you, Lord. There are actually two words in the scriptures in Hebrew for mercy. One is Hesed. And it's really like the attitude that the Lord has for his covenant. He's covenanted himself to us. That means that he is faithful, God. He's faithful in a particular way. He does not count our faults against us. You know how quickly we are to count the faults of other people against them? We notice that? But um, he's not like that at all. He doesn't count our faults against us. As it says in Psalm 130, there's a beautiful Psalm uh, where there's a cry from the heart, and oftentimes there's a cry from my heart too. Out of the depths, O Lord, I cry to you, O Lord, hear my voice. So let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleading. If you, O Lord, should mark our guilt, Lord, who would survive? But with you is found forgiveness. So he marked my guilt. And held it against me. How could I survive? And you too? But we have met with mercy, beautiful this gift of mercy which we did not earn, we did not deserve, but given to us by God in His graciousness. And this is why we're here today to celebrate this beautiful gift of mercy and deepen in the appreciation of this gift you probably heard the story about the backpacker who was uh, in a train, an apartment train, uh an apartment train, he was just there with um, an old man. And the train's chugging along, and the old man noticed that the backpacker was getting very agitated. And the old fellow said, what's wrong, young man, what's your problem? Uh, and he told him a story that a couple of years before, He'd had a blue with his dad in a country town where he lived and his dad had got very angry with him and he'd got really angry with his father and he said to his father I wish you were dead and he walked out and he said I've been roaming around for two years from one job to the next he said I started to feel in my heart there's something wrong and so I wrote to my father This is before emails and that sort of stuff, and and before uh, Facebook and everything. So I wrote to my dad and I said to him in the letter that I'm coming home. I'm coming home on the train. I told him when I was coming and that uh, if he wanted me to get off of the platform in a little country town where we lived, there was a trio at the station that they both knew about. and we were hanging out. He said, I want you to put a white ribbon on that tree branch. And then I'll know that I can get off the train. And he said, my problem is that this train is about to enter into the station of my hometown. And I'm too scared to look out the window. And the fellow says, I said, okay son, I'll look out for you. So he looked out the window and had a big yelp. He said, son, you've got nothing to worry about. That tree is covered with white flags. Covered with white flags. Eh? This is the mercy of God. That's his, his head, mercy. But there's also another word, the me uh, And this is like the, the hug of God's mercy. Eh? The embrace of mercy. Same words used when it talks about a woman cherishing the child in her womb, and I'll never forget you, even if she would forget the child in her womb, I'll never forget you. That embracing of mercy, he holds us with tenderness. Uh, and that's another story about that one, the little girl's going, going to the circus with her father, it's one of those open circuses, there's sort of like the trapeze artist here, and then there's the lions over there, and there's over here, with the clowns and everything. So they're running around looking at everything, and she sips her hand out of the father's hand. And she's running looking at stuff, and she falls over a wire. And she starts crying, and she looks up, and all she, oh, she can see is people's legs, and she can't see her daddy. And meanwhile, daddy's been looking for her. Where is she? Where is my little one? Where is my child? And finally, she sees him through the crowd, and she runs to him, and he runs to her, and he throws his arms around her and lifts her up. That's the reunion. The embrace of God, and both of these are caught up in that beautiful parable, which we call the parable of the prodigal son, uh, more properly called the parable of the, the merciful father. Huh? Remember, the son is uh, a very abusive father in many ways. Walked off, got his uh, share of the of the estate, and squandered it all. He's on his way back, wondering how he's going to be received. And meanwhile, the father's been there waiting for him, waiting going out every day and looking, looking, looking to see. And he sees him in the distance coming. And so he forgets all his dignity, he's got long robes on like, our oh, God, he hitches them up and he runs to the boy. And he throws his arms around him and kisses him tenderly. That's the real man. That's the hug of God's mercy. And then, of there were no questions. He doesn't say, oh, how many women were there? You know, what happened to the money? No questions like that. No interrogation. No, we're going to rejoice have a party because the one who has lost is now found. And the Sunday his prepared speech that he couldn't even get it out pretty really clearly because wasn't interested. the father wasn't interested in that. He wanted to just simply welcome him home. Right? This is where the heart, the merciful heart of our Father God. And notice that the Father went right into his mess No, he came. He had to smell the pigs on him, no doubt, because he'd been living with the pigs. And the the Father wasn't worried, just gives him a big embrace right into his mess. That's what God the Father does. Every time we come to this beautiful sacrament of reconciliation, where it's specially ministered to us in a very beautiful way, this embrace of the mercy of God, and the lifting of all that guilt and shame and all the struggle and pain of our lives. What a great gift that is has been given to us. And thankfully you're the people who really, really cherish this beautiful gift. Uh, there are many who came before the Mass and they'll be available after the Mass as well, to, if you so desire, to go to this beautiful sacrament. To have real confidence in the mercy of God. You see, if we look at this image here as the risen Christ. huh? There's the Christ who hung on the cross three days before the Friday. huh? And those wounds he's now carrying, his hands, and his feet, and his side, uh, they're, they're real wounds. You know, the nails went through his hands and his feet for you and for I. And that was when he said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know not what they do. And the spear went through his side, from which poured out blood and water. Now, it symbolized here, of course, by the red and the white. Huh? It's coming out from the heart of Christ. His heart is broken open for you and for me and from which flows all the living flood of water. There's a quote from Saint Faustina that's probably appropriate to give to here now, because uh, the reality is that our sins are but a drop in the ocean of God's mercy. That's from of Siena. This is from Faustina. The Lord said to her, Know that my heart is mercy itself. From this ocean of mercy, graces flow out for the whole world. All misery gets lost in the depths of my mercy, says the Lord. And every saving and sanctifying grace flows out from this unending fountain of mercy. So we come to the fountain of mercy today to drink deeply from the Lord himself. And no matter what state your life's been in, no matter what the pain and the misery and the struggle Whatever the heaviness of heart or the guilt that you feel, no matter what shame you have in your heart, the Lord is there. He's with you and he's full of mercy. He is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. What a beautiful gift this is. Of course on this day we have to remember that because we have received this gift so richly, we need to bring it to others. So is there someone in your life who you're having difficulty, having mercy with? Could be a boss you can't stand. Could be some member of the family who just did you in, in one way or another. You find it difficult to forgive, to let it go. It's tough, isn't it? It's hard, the emotions are deep and strong, but on this day there's a grace, my dear brothers and sisters, from the Lord himself, we who have received so much We can give. We can give mercy. We can actually forgive. When we thought we couldn't forgive, we can let it go. We can give the judgments over to the Lord, not keep holding a fist up against that person or that institution maybe. There may be some who need to forgive the church because you've been let down badly by the church itself. We've all experienced in one way or another, having had ourselves somewhat diminished by other people what they've done, what they've said. And how do we handle that? With revenge? With retaliation? No! That's not the way of Jesus. We've experienced the way of Jesus. It's the way of mercy. And yes, uh, there may be justice has to be done, that's true. But if the justice has to be done, we still have to forgive. And that's the amazing grace of God, isn't it, that we've experienced. I want to tell you a story about amazing grace. This comes out of South Africa, at the time when Nelson Mandela came back into power, right? Uh, and they set up a, a, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And Bishop Desmond Tutu was the one who was in charge of that. And instead of having a Nuremberg trial for those people that committed atrocities during the time of apartheid, they decided they'd do it differently. If the perpetrators of the atrocities were willing to sort of come forward and, and admit to their fault publicly, they could be exonerated, or at least uh, they wouldn't have to go to prison. And so there was one situation when Bishop Desmond Tutu was in the chair, and there there was a, a widow. Now this widow had lost her husband, obviously, but she'd also lost her son, and both in the same way. First of all, her son. The white the police had come one time, and they'd taken her son, and because he'd been a, a bit of an activist, and he disappeared. But what had happened is actually they. Beaten him to death and they'd burnt his body so it wouldn't be found. Her husband had a couple of years later been taken by them by as well, the same police, and she had watched as he'd been tied to tires, car tires, and then the car tires were burnt and he was burnt alive before her eyes. And here, the man responsible for this, Mr. Vanderbroek, was in the dock. And together with the other policemen that had been involved in this atrocity. And so Mr. Vanderbroek had the opportunity to speak. And he spoke movingly because he asked for forgiveness. He admitted total fault and that it was a terrible crime and, and he hoped that his men would be able to be kept in the society even though they'd been publicly shamed and uh, he was weeping as he spoke and then the bishop said to the widow do you have anything to say to Mr. Van Broek and there was a hush in the courtroom because what would she say and she said yes I do I first asked Mr. Vanderbrook to go to the place where my husband was burnt to death and to pick up whatever he can find there of the dust and give him an honourable funeral. And then I said to Mr. Vanderbrook that I have lost my father, my my husband and my my son, but uh, I still have a lot of love left in me. And so I ask him to come to my place, which was little hovel outside the edge of town, to come to my place once or twice a month, and I'll give him a bit of love. And to prove to him that I have forgiven, I'm now going out to embrace him. Well, there erupted in the courtroom a song. Everyone began to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet was that? That saved a wretch like me, huh? And Mr. Van Gogh was not able to receive the embrace. He didn't even hear the song. Because he had fainted, overwhelmed by mercy. Which he knew he did not deserve. And could not have heard. No matter what he did. But he received mercy. My dear friends, I find that sort of challenging that we are all in need of mercy, but those around us too are in need of mercy. And the future of the world really depends on this, because otherwise we'll end up with mounting violence, killing one another forever, and without forgiveness. We have no future without forgiveness. So, coming in this Eucharist, we can look to Jesus. Look to Jesus who's raised from the dead with his holy wounds there, reaching out to each one of us, welcoming us to himself. Now, you might be a bit like Thomas. You're a bit doubtful. You might be a bit like Thomas. Do I really believe? Can I really say those words down there? Jesus, I trust you in my circumstances, because my circumstances are the worst I've ever had. Can I trust you, Jesus? That's okay. It's okay to have a doubt. It's okay to be asking that question. But turn to Jesus. Turn to him. And allow him to open your heart. Allow him to persuade your heart. Look to Jesus crucified. Look to him now risen, the smile on his face beaming at you. And saying, come, come. Let me minister to your broken heart. Let me minister to your deepest wound. Let me minister to what you need most in life. I'm here for you. And receive him. Receive his mercy. Do not be afraid. He is here now. And bless you now.